Welcome! Hello! How's it going? Thank you for listening. This is uh, Go Chuck Yourself. Uh, we are a podcast about Chuck. Uh, this is our special, very, 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 very special uh, 13th Chuckiversary spectacular episode. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arata. I am so excited about this Chuckiversary. So excited. It's the uh, lucky 13, as they would say. Uh, a lot of people think that 13 is unlucky, but it's gotten a ironic reputation for, I guess, edgy teens. Thank you for like, uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is one of those edgy teens, I guess. Taylor Swift. Yeah, she's a one of those edgy teens. A 30-year-old edgy teen. Yeah, pick something that's bad luck and make it good luck. If you like black cats, then you're you're one of those people, I suppose. If you like walking under ladders, if you like stepping Everybody on cracks. Everybody loves those things. Breaking mirrors. That's my hobby. Breaking mirrors. I broke a mirror in second grade and I was petrified. How were your next seven years? I mean, not great. How is puberty is not awesome for anyone. <laughs> yeah, I think, so um, maybe everyone breaks a mirror um, when they're a child. And then that's um, that's what puberty is. Yes, I broke a mirror and then a ghost came out of the, the shards of glass and said, ah, you now have severe acne for for several <laughs> for your for most of your your adolescence. You will have very bad luck with women. Yeah, well, okay, Aaron, settle down. I'm that sorry. was uncalled for. I've been to the um, home theater room. You have been, but some maybe if you're listening to this, you have not. If this is your first time listening to Go Chuck Yourself, welcome. Uh, I I understand that this might be an entry to the Go Chuck Yourself podcast for some people. We are today. We're going to be talking about the pilot episode of Chuck. Um, for the second for time, we should say we for the second um, time we are currently discussing in our regular feed um, season four of Chuck. But mm-hmm. we are revisiting the pilot episode with all of our Chuck-related knowledge um, of the previous seasons, or the subsequent seasons, I guess I should say. Um, yeah. And we are going to kind of follow our usual episode pattern and discuss this in honor of the Chuckiversary. So whether you are a new Chuck fan, old Chuck fan, new Go Check Yourself fan, or old Go Check Yourself fan, we're happy to have you here. Yes. And to kick things off, I actually um, this is this is really cool. I didn't tell you about this, Aaron, but we actually have uh, I got my hands on a recording of when uh, Chris Fedak pitched the show to his wife while they were making the bed 13 years ago, because, you know, he pitched the show to his wife. We just had this crazy idea. Um, I do remember that. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to play the recording right now. Let's take a listen. Honey, could you pass me that pillow so I can fluff it? Mama, sure thing, sweet thing. Honey, this pillow has really um, given me a great idea for a television show. I don't know why the pillow exactly reminded me of it, but um, I'm I'm thinking about a show where uh, there's a man and he gets a, a man and he gets a computer in his head. My honey, he- this is just too much for me. Where are you going with this? So he's kind of a nerd. Oh, you're a little bit of a nerd yourself, honey. And he has like a little, a little bearded friend. He works in like a big box store. You Ooh, I like big beards. Store, honey? I like beards and big boxes. You know that. Oh my god, this is getting weird. <laughs> um, and he, um, he, the, he gets embroiled in a plot with the CIA and the NSA. Oh my, a lot of acronyms. And then there's like a beautiful woman. Oh. And she's like, she's she's unclothed a lot. Oh. How do you feel about that, my my beautiful angel? Am I not enough for you? Oh, it's not for me. It's like I I wouldn't. I, well, I maybe I could cast you as her. How would you feel about it then? Ah, uh, well, I don't do much acting. I haven't acted much since the seventies. That's true. That's how we met, of course, on the set of um, Blazing Saddles. Wasn't that a fascinating recording, Aaron? I I hope our yeah, listeners. Yeah, so that enjoyed. recording was really uh, informative. I really see like you. It's so fascinating how even in Chris Fedak's own life, like even in mm. his like room talking and like a casual conversation, how formed the idea was. Right, and I <laughs> I can't wait to tell you this, Aaron. But I not only got my hands on that recording, but I also managed to download an mp3 of the conversation that took place between chris fedak and uh his old college buddy and television producer josh schwartz when he pitched the idea to josh schwartz so oh oh yeah let's take a listen in hey chris how's it how's it going hey josh uh remember when we were playing uh when when we programmed stuff in college uh we we programmed zorg remember the terrible troll um 
Yeah, I guess so. I did. I was really inspired okay. by our friendship yeah, to right. have this uh, very handsome man. That's obviously me. This very kind of handsome. Like he, yeah, okay, he sure. thinks um, he thinks he's a nerd, but he's actually uh-huh. very attractive. He's appealing to women. Uh-huh. Um, and then he has like a, a little kind of like a troll of a friend, uh-huh. one might say. Yeah. Um, and they get into hijinks. Um, the the really smart guy. Um, the really like cool like every man kind of hero. He gets a computer in his head, which makes him even smarter. And then his friend is like, doesn't really know anything about it. His friend is just kind of annoying, but he is really cool and beautiful women begin following him around and then he becomes a spy. What do you think? Well, I got two things that come to mind, Chris. Um, First thing is you smell terrific. I just got to point it out there. I think that's you're I don't know if are you wearing cologne right now what is that I'm just getting such like it's kind of like a yeah I'm I, it's it's from Hollister wow actually. I just I just dropped by the old Hollister yeah homestead. I mean that you smell great I think that's going to get you very far in this industry which I once again am a very successful television producer in already and am established um secondly I think that this the show sounds like it could be really good but what if there was like a neighbor woman who also really liked Chuck and by Chuck, okay, well, I, what, what if we I, name that guy Chuck? What if we name him Chuck? And oh, okay. Um, I like the name Chuck. The the neighbor. I think we're gonna have to like, um, let's let's film it, but then like we might we might not go with it. You know, I'm, we can take some photo shoots with her, so it's really confusing for people in the future if we don't use her. Right. I think. Well, I'm adamant about having this character, and I list, I kind of listened into what you were saying, and I think that it would really benefit from. Uh, just another female character in there. Mark, I don't know. Mark my words, this character will be in this program. I'll, I'll I will produce this show this show for you. I agree to help. The you. only woman I need in my life is the love interest in this show and uh, my beautiful wife. Mama. <laughs> oh, you're here! Wow. Yeah, she she follows me around. Okay, now that everyone is done listening to this podcast, Aaron, would you like to tell <laughs> us what happens in the opening of the? Uh, the much acclaimed pilot to Chuck. Yeah, I would love to. So, um, some people may be listening with um a lot of knowledge of the Chuck program, and some people may be listening. I don't. If if you're listening and you've never seen the Chuck program, then God help you. This is um, <laughs> good. Like that's good for you that you're just like hopping in there, and we'll tell you what this pilot's about. So we start, of course, with a spy-like fakeout where it's actually Chuck and Morgan. Like they're, we hear voices of men, and they seem to be doing some kind of spy things. They're sneaking out of a location. They sit, they're worried about being caught, but it's actually two characters named Chuck and Morgan. Chuck is played by Zachary Levi. Morgan is played by Joshua Gomez. They're these two nerdy-looking men, and we find out they're trying to sneak out of Chuck's own birthday party. They're caught by Chuck's older sister, Ellie, who points out that she invited eligible women specifically for Chuck to talk to. She demands that he come out, but tells Morgan that he can stay behind in Chuck's room. That's the beginning of a little bit of tension. We see that Morgan kind of seems to have a crush on Ellie. Ellie doesn't really like Morgan. Once again, um, this is something that we noticed the first time around. I noticed that Morgan is hanging on a rope out of what we know is a first floor window. And that was something that was really confusing to us in our first episode. But I think, Chris, that may just be the joke. Because in the very final seconds of the scene, he just fully stands up. Like, Chuck is like, do you need help? And Morgan just stands up. Like, he's clearly, like, on the ground level. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I think's happening. Okay. Maybe uh, next time you'll find a recording of uh, Chris Deck and Josh Schwartz explaining that scene. One can only hope. I did not. I didn't notice that. I was clinging to the belief that this was just a, a goof on their part. A goof. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this as an opening. How do you think it? Like, I, I. This is something that they do in later episodes where they have kind of a fake out where it seems like there's going to be a mission and then it's something silly in the buy more or it's something along those lines. But at this point, if we're watching this for the first time, we wouldn't know who Chuck and Morgan are, so we wouldn't necessarily recognize their voices. We wouldn't know that this isn't a spy mission, but presumably we would know that this is a spy show. So Mm -hmm. it is kind of like working as a fake out. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I think it's I mean, I think you're right. It's kind of like a trope that you get more familiar with, like throughout the rest of the show. It could have been kind of it's definitely a, a fake out at the beginning when you realize that it's not actually anything serious that's going on. I think that does a, a good way of kind of establishing the tone of the show and subverting expectation. 
yeah, I think that's good. I think the the pilot does a good job of um, establishing the tone that will continue throughout the Chuck series. So outside of the party, there's basically a gaggle of hot women and they just like converge on Chuck, which like I'm sure Ellie has kind of upsold him. But I have a lot of questions about this that like, first of all, all these women like converge on him at the same time and like presumably they all want to date him so like they don't all feel weird that they're all there and it's basically an episode of the bachelor like it was a little weird and then also like he's a good looking guy but like what about chuck did ellie say that all these women are like so interested in like asking him about his love life yeah i was it was kind of odd because it's like chuck has some luck obviously with women throughout the show but this was kind of they were very aggressive uh and it was kind of odd how interested they were in him without yeah. like any kind of knowledge, unless Ellie just built him up to be this mysterious kind of uh, brooding, dark, handsome stranger. <laughs> yes. Obviously, the scene is meant to establish how awkward Chuck is with women and how uncomfortable he feels in this situation. But in order for that to be accomplished, they use these like women who seem to be throwing themselves at him. And it was just a little bit like at odds with what we know about him. But it's only like two minutes into the show, so we don't know much. Mm hmm. One of the women also graduated from Stanford, which is where Chuck graduated or almost graduated from. She remembers another engineering student who ran track and was a gymnast. She is, of course, referring to Chuck's old roommate, Bryce Larkin. She asks Chuck what Bryce is up to, and Chuck says he thinks Bryce might be an accountant. We cut to Bryce being not an accountant. He's in this kind of white government-type room with a computer. He's like clearly having broken in and he's hacking into the computer. He puts on sunglasses, he presses a button and images start popping up and he says, it's hard to say goodbye. Is that a reference to something? Does that come up again? Is that just like Bryce's like catchphrase? Why does he say that? Because he's, he's transferring the intersect, then he's going to blow it up, right? Okay, so he's like kind of like tongue in cheek talking to the CIA, like it's hard to say goodbye to your files. I think so. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was, like, something you needed to say to, like, turn on the intersect. It was the password. I mean, honestly, who knows? Maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, Chuck is at his party being an idiot. A woman asks if Chuck has a girlfriend, and he starts monologuing about this woman named Jill leaving him for Bryce while they were in college five years ago. The woman gets really uncomfortable, and eventually Chuck looks up, and he's still talking, but she's gone. Back in the actually exciting scene... There's uh, Bryce down finishes downloading whatever he's downloading from the computer. There is an explosion and he does some parkour to escape. He gets on the roof. I don't know. It's honestly, I, how do you think this compares to action sequences in later Chuck episodes? Because we obviously have some very cool fights that come in the future. But I thought this was like fairly intense. And I don't know if the tone exactly matches. Like it was very like. He's jumping off roofs. He's mm -hmm. like doing parkour. He's jumping through windows. He's very bloody, very sweaty. It kind of felt like it was more of like a movie kind of approach yeah. to it, like a blockbuster stunt. Yeah. Because like there's one when he, he's doing parkour, he jumps off of a building like there's just yeah. one uninterrupted shot of a man leaping <laughs> off of like a pretty tall yeah. roof. And I was like, yeah, they had a stunt person just jump off of a roof. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah, it's pretty it's intense. I'm sure the purpose is to have it, like, be intense and be interesting to, like, draw in viewers. Yeah. Um, and also, they're probably still working on how they're choreographing everything. But it was very interesting to see because it seemed a little different from, like, a lot of their fights and stunts in the future are going to, like, at least have a little bit of, like, gags and jokes and, like, some, like, whimsy to them. But this just seemed, like, intense. Something else I really liked about these scenes is that... Bryce is being chased by people who know his name, so we know that, like, he's somehow involved with these people. This, we find out later, it's a CIA, NSA kind of facility. And he runs into an agent called Casey, who Bryce says Casey's name, so we learn Casey's name, but also, like, it establishes that they know each other, which is something that I hadn't, like, really thought about before, that, like, they are sort of co-workers, or at least, like, know of each other, like, through their government agencies, and I think that's... Kind of cool. This other agent, Casey, shoots Bryce. And Casey has kind of like a very... Um, this is another thing that I want to talk about later in the episode. His personality, he has kind of like a... Like putting on the sunglasses and before the CSI credits kind of vibe. Like he ha he keeps dropping these like one-liners of like, I'm tired and I want to go home. And like... But like, 
I don't know. He's 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 got like a very like Terminator kind of like cool spy guy vibe. Um, and he he shoots Bryce and uh, asks Bryce to hand over the device that he has whatever downloaded onto. But it's too late. The device has been destroyed. And Bryce, in its last moments, has managed to send an email containing the files to Chuck. <gasps> After the party is over back in Burbank, Ellie tries to comfort a downcast Chuck. He tells her, your seven-layer dip tasted like eight, which I thought was a really great line. There's a lot of, like, very, like, kind of cute, punchy dialogue in this episode, and I thought that was fun. Uh Ellie tells Chuck he needs to stop bringing up his exes to women who seem interested in dating him, which is a fair assessment. After Chuck leaves, Morgan sidles over and tries to hit on Ellie. And I, I remember how glad I am here. We finally made it to the promised land of season four where Morgan <laughs> is no longer interested in Ellie. And I'm very happy to be there. Yes. Uh, Morgan. Yeah, it was kind of jarring going back and seeing Morgan season one compared yeah. to uh, the more evolved Morgan of the later seasons. Yes. I was like, oh, this is rough. Back in Chuck's room, Chuck receives Bryce's email. He opens it and it's a reference to a game they played together in college, much like Josh Schwartz and Chris Finak used to play games together, as we learned from their recording. Chuck remembers that he has to answer this prompt about a terrible troll, and he has to refer to a nasty knife. I don't really know how these old-fashioned games work, but, you know, it's got to type in something about a nasty knife, and that's the code. I was going to say, I tried playing one of those text-based games recently, and it's Uh uh, very difficult because you don't know (laughs) what the options are. So I was just typing in nonsense, and I was like, no, no. Did you try uh, typing in the nasty knife? Um, I did not. Maybe that's why I didn't okay. download the intersect, but I yeah. eventually had to like sometimes you'd get like little clues where it'd be like mm-hmm. not like you're wrong, but it was like, oh, you can't do that, or like that doesn't make sense. And like uh-huh. I'm like this is so aggravating. Why did anyone do this? But uh Chuck, I had no other options. I guess not. And Chuck is like, if only I could remember what I would use, what was in my my satchel, and then all uh-huh. of a sudden he remembers immediately and the nasty knife. Well, nasty I would remember knife. that name too. It reminds me of the uh, nasty Nork from Spyro. Any uh, any Spyro fans out there? That one's for you. I'm just blinking at at Chris. It's okay. Aaron as doesn't. If he's speaking in gibberish. Aaron's missing out. That's fine. I am. So Chuck downloads the Intersect. That's that's what the images are. That's how this happens. And something I, I a little game I wanted to play with you. Have you ever seen those games online where it's like a, kind of like a crossword and then it says the first word you see is your personality or your 2020 or like whatever. Have you ever oh, seen really? those? No. Oh, well, then this is not going to be fun for you. But I was thinking that the image that most sticks out to you from the Intersect images is like your, I don't know, your like... um. Your personality, I guess I'll say. Okay. So what is the image that most stood out to you in that collage of images? Is the the Sphinx in there? The, the sarcophagi? You had a lot of trouble with this the first time around. I thought you would redeem yourself. It's a sarcophagus? Yeah, I think there's a Sphinx. I thought it was the Sphinx. Is that in there? I don't know. Is there a hummingbird? I don't know. There's, there's definitely a hummingbird there somewhere. Oh, the hummingbird was mine. That was what oh. I was going to say. So, so you can have the Sphinx. The I'll have the hummingbird. Yes. Oh. Okay, that's interesting. Interesting. I wonder if... Those are like on screen for longer, or if like they are more, um, if it is just like a, a personal thing that you grab it, you graft onto. Hummingbirds are interesting, I guess so, yeah, because they have like a lot of otherwise, it's just kind of like hard to pinpoint black and white spy imagery and stuff like yeah. that, which is hard to remember yeah. exactly what it is, yeah, interesting. So Chuck stands there presumably all night while these images are flashing at him. His alarm goes off and then he passes out and falls to the floor to be awoken sometime later by Morgan. Chuck assumes that Morgan must have spiked the punch at the party and that's why he feels so off. He doesn't really remember the situation with the images, only that Bryce sent him an email. During this scene, Chuck looks at his computer and I noticed a post-it on it that says, I am a professional nerd. What do you, what do you think that means? Do you think Morgan put that there? What, what do you think that is? I I feel like I because I saw that, too, and I kind of created mm-hmm. my own backstory for it where like someone at work, like a work friend wrote it for him and uh-huh. he like put it in his pocket. And then when he was like coming home from work, he took it out of his pocket and he's like, huh. And then he just kind of stuck it to his monitor because it was like an inside joke. Yeah, I mean, that seems like something that would happen. That's kind of cute. Thanks. I, I'm glad you enjoyed my <laughs> Chuck fan fiction of his post-it note. Chuck versus the post-it note, as I'll call it. Yeah, that I'm sure that'll get a lot of likes. So Chuck takes a shower, which is not really a scene that I remember. And what the scene is meant to establish is 
he's listening to the radio in the shower and he hears something about traffic on the 405 and he has what we later learn is called a flash where something in the um, intersect gives him information about police, about what's going on in traffic. Like these, these keywords trigger flashes for him. But what I noticed most about the scene was that Chuck has a shower radio. Have you, do you remember those? Do you, are you like, were you floored by this like I was? I was not floored, but I was just like, oh, that makes for a, a like, it's, your shower time is supposed to be relaxing, you know, like yeah. decompress. Why are you trying to listen to, to traffic? Like, traffic. Yeah. Like, he's not listening to music. <laughs> but I just like, I'm, I'm sure those still exist, but it just felt like of a bygone era. Because like nowadays you just like, Maybe have your phone with its speaker, like, just somewhere where it wouldn't get water on it. Or maybe you have one of those, like, waterproof, like, Bluetooth things. Mm -hmm. Like, a shower radio was just so, like, 2007. Well, the holidays are coming up. Maybe uh, maybe (laughs) I'll get you a shower radio for your new apartment. So Chuck and Morgan head off to work. Chuck lets Morgan drive because he's feeling weird, and Morgan is shocked by this. Chuck tells Morgan to stay off the five because the cops are in phase deployment, which is... What he heard on the radio, but also what he saw in his flash in his head. Morgan is a little confused, and Chuck is confused as well. We get our first introduction to the Bymore, which, do you think the, sh- the the set looks a little bit, like, it looks a little, it mo- looks mostly the same, but a little bit different. It's, like, a little bit, like, worse, I would say, than it becomes in later. Oh, you think it was episodes. worse? I thought it was, like, a little bit better than it You think it, it was better? Is. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. It seemed like there it, was more It just more seemed, detailed. like, more, like, warehousey, which I guess is, it. maybe it looked, like, more oh, like okay. a real store. Yeah. But it was just, like, less colorful. It looked a lot more, like, concrete. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could have been the cinematography, too, or however they... That's true. ...with the coloring, yeah. yeah. So we're introduced to the Nerd Herd, which is Chuck, Anna, Jeff, and Lester... During this scene, Chuck is explaining something about called the Irene Domova virus, which is a computer virus that you get if you go onto this Serbian porn star's website. Irene Domova is a favorite of Chris and mine, not for her porn, but her <laughs> Jesus, her catchphrases. She has catchphrases that we like. If you don't know that, that's just something. Um, during the scene, Morgan is standing in the background, which I thought was a very good blocking choice. I don't know if you noticed it, but he's like pretty far away, but he's standing there. And it was a very good character detail because I do feel like Morgan is just like, at least at this part in the show, just kind of always where Chuck is, but not always immediately apparent in a scene. Mm-hmm. I thought this was fun. In the background, Morgan turns on the news and they're talking about someone named General Stanford, who's a NATO guy. Um, He's supposed to arrive in L.A. soon, but from the intersect in his head, Chuck knows that General Stanford already arrived. He says as much, and Anna says who, and Chuck is like, what? He doesn't know what's going on. He's very confused. In the next scene, we meet the NSA and the CIA, but we don't meet our good friend Beckman. Instead, we meet Wendy McKenna is playing the NSA (laughs) director. Um, For a second, I thought she was Beckman because she has kind of the same hairstyle and she also has red hair. But uh, yeah, I forgot that this uh, happened. We also have our good friend Tony Todd as Graham, who, where we're at, he's he's long gone, but uh, it was exciting to see him again. The NSA and the CIA are at odds over this Chuck situation. They explain what the intersect is to Casey. It's apparently all the government secrets, all the secrets that the CIA and the NSA have, they pooled together after 9-11. It was, I wouldn't say nice to hear, to say, um, it wasn't nice to hear 9-11 mentioned in a show, but it was like, this was a time when we were talking about, like, the long-term repercussions in government of 9-11, so I, I guess this makes sense. I just realized when I was watching this, too, that the name The Intersect probably comes from the fact that it's the intersect of the NSA's database with the CIA's database. Very smart! I just blow your together. mind. Yeah, so yeah only, you did. Yeah. Wow. It only took me a very long time, but I got there. Yeah. So they picked up a trace signal from Bryce's email that led to L.A. and subsequently to Chuck. And Casey's got another one of his cool pre-credits lines where he says, This is perfect. I've been feeling a little pasty. And then then it cuts. So I wanted to ask, this is probably a good time to bring it up. How do you feel about Casey's character in this pilot? Do you think he's like a little bit cooler than he is? Or do you think he's like just the right amount of cool? Um, What do you think? Uh, oh, I don't really think of it in terms of how cool he is. I think of like how intense he is because there is uh-huh. like he's really intense in this. And I think it kind of does a good job of setting up when you realize that he's going to be a part of like the core crew protecting Chuck. You're kind of like, wow, 
this character is really sort of like a loose cannon, kind of intense, old school, kind of uh, a scary guy. And I think that for a while, like Casey's pretty scary, but he also kind of gets a little bit softer. So he's not as intense anymore. Yeah, you know, in he has his moments, subsequent but... episodes of season one, Casey is the bigger threat to Chuck right. in that he's like presumably maybe going to kill him. Sarah is always kind of more sympathetic because she is more of a romantic interest in addition to being a badass spy. So I think like having him be intense like helps yeah. with that. And he's really intense in this because he like threatens to kill Chuck and then also like gives orders for Sarah to be killed. And he calls her the CIA skirt. Yeah, which he doesn't know her, I guess. Yeah. So it's kind of weird because I'm like, why is Casey trying to kill Sarah? But um, it's, a, it's a different time. There's, there's there's a lot that they don't know yet about each other. So we cut back to the Bymore where Chuck and Morgan are sitting at the nerd herd desk. Morgan is shocked and excited to see a beautiful woman walking in and... He says, Chuck, Vicky Vale, which I wanted to ask you, why does he say that? Does Sarah look like Vicky Vale? I don't know. This has always haunted me. Maybe that's their code word for like beautiful woman. Yeah, let's get to the bottom of this. I looked up pictures of her and sometimes she's blonde. Sometimes she has red hair. Yeah, I mean, she kind of looks like her. Right? I don't know. Like, I I guess I were another thing that maybe we could find a recording of. Try try that for our, our next episode. <laughs> For our do, next do some deep digging. Yeah, our next next year, maybe we'll have a recording answering this age-old question. Vicky Vale, Vicky, Vicky, Vicky Vale. Yeah, so we get that classic scene, which I I love. Like, Chuck is holding a phone, he's rapping Vicky Vale, and then Sarah walks in, he sees her, he immediately drops the phone. It's It's very funny. Mostly I was thinking about when I watched this with my parents, and my dad really, really liked that line and laughed a lot. So Sarah brings in a broken phone that Chuck very easily fixes for her. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that Sarah broke the phone herself? Do you think she, like, Googled common problems with phones and then got a phone that had that problem? Like, how deep do you think this goes? Yeah, I don't know. She's pretty clever. How did she break the phone herself? Well, the battery just kind of came loose, right? Well, it was like, yeah, it was just it had to be screwed back in. So she could have like easily unscrewed it if she had like a little screwdriver. Yeah, I bet that's what she did. So we get some more establishment of Chuck's character when a dad with a ballerina daughter comes in. He tried to videotape her recital, but he didn't put any tape in the camera. So Chuck helps the little ballerina perform for everyone in the store in front of all the TV monitors um, and thereby helps this dad have a recording of his beautiful ballerina daughter. Chuck also comforts the little girl because she says she's nervous because she's usually in the back um, because she's tall. And Chuck says, let me tell you a secret. Real ballerinas are tall, which I guess is true. Yeah. Why did I I also highlighted that in my notes? Why did we both zoom in on that this time? It's it's sweet. It's nice. It's he's like he's helping kids. It's like kind of like a save the cat moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I was kind of yeah, confused because Sarah stays and watches all of this. And I was like, really? Sarah has nothing better to do than watch this stupid well, shit. She's, intrigued. she's like, who is this guy? He's like, that's a key detail of Chuck and Sarah's relationship that she's like fascinated by him. I and, guess like, so. He's a good guy. She's right. Like, watching someone be a good person. So speaking of good people, um, we did not realize this until recently, but um, Harry Tang there's there's a character named Harry Tang, and it is a sex joke, as Chris <laughs> pointed out. Uh, we didn't know that until recently, but this character named Harry Tang seems to be Chuck's competition for the assistant manager job for kind of the leadership of the Bymore below Big Mike, the store's manager. He is upset that Chuck spent so much time helping the dad and the ballerina because it cost them quote-unquote Bymore dollars, but I I feel like the people, it really gained goodwill. There was a crowd watching this, and they all cheered when the girl finished. So I feel like Harry Tang, like, it's not really costing them money. It's kind of maybe generating some nice feelings among the customers. Mm -hmm. Harry Tang is just kind of a stick in the mud. That's the point of his character. Harry comments how this is the reason that Big Mike wants him for assistant manager instead of Chuck. Later that night, Chuck and Morgan return to Chuck's apartment. Chuck is thinking that he won't call Sarah for some reason because she's out of his it's league. And Morgan unclear. wants to borrow Chuck's computer uh, for some reason because his is infected with the Irene Demova virus. I don't know what he wants to do. Check his email, maybe. Go to go to a website. 
They enter the door to the apartment that they will one day share together to find that ever-persistent threat in the Chuck universe, a ninja. The ninja is holding <laughs> Chuck's computer modem and Morgan starts throwing things at the ninja, but the ninja deflects all of it, hitting Chuck in the process. The ninja proceeds to beat the hell out of Chuck and Morgan, and uh, the ninja destroys the modem in the process. The ninja, like, put it on a bookshelf and the bookshelf fell over. I I don't know. I didn't know there was so much stuff inside a computer modem, but, like, when it broke it was like bursting at the seams with stuff <laughs> i just seemed very i was like really there's like it was like a pinata basically when it fell i have to, the to look at it more closely seth built a computer and i can say that there is stuff in there but there's not a lot of stuff there's like less stuff than you'd think well i also re- realize that like computers now 10 years later or 13 years later are gonna have less stuff than that's true. that but uh <laughs> yes here go check yourself we can confirm that computers do have stuff inside of them <laughs> They're not just magic I'll, I'll boxes. I'll break my laptop right now if it's for the show. <laughs> just see what's in there. Um, anyhow, the ninja runs off and jumps into a sports car and then takes off their mask. And guess what? It was Sarah, the blonde lady from the Buy More. I guess <gasps> she must be the villain of this week's episode. <laughs> Chuck brings his computer to Jeff and Lester the next day to see if they can fix it, but they can't. So Chuck heads over to Large Mart to buy some new locks for his door. Large Mart is empty, aside from uh, a threatening-looking man in a leather jacket. Chuck, despite working in a store himself and theoretically knowing the norms of such a store, approaches this man who clearly doesn't work there and asks if he knows where the locks are. But Chuck gets more than he bargains for when he flashes on the man and realizes that he's some kind of assassin. Chuck doesn't know what to do, so he awkwardly walks away, but this threatening-looking man follows him, first with a large pair of bolt cutters, and then with a nail gun that is for some reason just out. It's like, loaded, yeah. It's loaded. It's just out. It's not in a package or anything. <laughs> he just picks it up. Uh, Chuck runs through the large mart and finds an uh, actual sales associate and tells her to call the police uh, on this guy. But then they look and this guy is like very nicely purchasing this nail gun at the cash register, even though it doesn't have a like a barcode on it or anything. <laughs> um, yeah. And the sales associate decides that Chuck is crazy. Um and then the man gives Chuck an ominous look while Chuck leaves the store. We gave this scene a lot of crap, I remember, in our first episode. We did. And I want to give Chuck a little bit more credit. I don't think that he thinks this man is a sales associate. I think he is just, like, the store is very clearly empty, and I think it's kind of setting up a vibe, which I think is pretty well done, because when things are okay, when Chuck sees the man at the register and he's smiling and everybody's acting as if Chuck is the crazy person, the store is full again. Like, there is people, there are people bustling by him, people with carts, people in all the aisles. But I think it's kind of like setting the vibe. And I think the thing that is meant to be established here, the thing that Chuck is thinking is that he just doesn't know where anything is and he's just, like, gonna ask this man, like, this stranger, like, hey, have you seen locks? Which... Would be weird if you were a customer in a store and someone came up to you and asked you where something was, but I don't think Chuck is so stupid that he thinks this man in a leather jacket works at the large mart. Okay, that was a very articulate defense of that particular <laughs> moment, so I, I guess you're probably right. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Thank uh, you. Meanwhile, this week's villain, Sarah, sits in her car watching Chuck enter the buy more, up to something ominous, no doubt. Sarah talks to her boss, Graham, who informs her that he's taking her off the mission and he's bringing in Casey, who Sarah refers to as a burnout, which I thought was kind of a a nice dig at Casey. (laughs) Sarah insists that she just needs 12 more hours and she will find out what happened to the intersect. And Graham says, "Okay, that's fine. I'm not going to be in the show for that long anyway. So do whatever you want. I don't care. (laughs) He's here for a while. He's here for two seasons. Sarah returns to the nerd her desk to lay it on real thick onto Chuck with an adorable pickup line and the information that she's new to town and doesn't know anyone. Morgan agrees for Chuck that he will go on a date and Chuck goes along with it. So in preparation for their date, Sarah is getting ready in her apartment uh, that looks like a hotel room. And uh, she's wearing her lingerie and she's doing her knives and she's putting on a Kevlar vest and everything. Back at the apartment, Ellie quotes uh, Stephen, Chuck and Ellie's father, to Chuck by saying, you're aces, Charles. And Chuck is really impressed by this. <laughs> like, so much so that they apparently don't talk about their father at all or don't use that quote too often because Chuck is, like, blown away that she would say this. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of a nice touch because I was like, it's just weird that they were able to remember that and incorporate that into Scott Bakula's character later yeah, on. Yeah, that is very impressive. Because you wouldn't pick that up. You wouldn't know any different if you're just watching it for the first time without the knowledge yeah. later on. Um, 
And then Ellie gives Chuck a half dead bouquet of flowers from the night before. Yeah, okay, (laughs) I wrote this down too. That's, okay, first of all, yes, they are half dead. Second of all, like a first date, if someone showed up with flowers, like what are you going to do with them? Like, what? Like, Chuck is picking up Sarah at her apartment, so I guess she could, like, presumably bring them inside. But mostly on a first date, you meet in, like, a neutral location. Mm -hmm. And, like, so you would have to hold them the whole time. And also, it's just, like, a little intense. I feel like flowers are, like, a later kind of thing. My other concern is that Ellie helps Chuck dress and saying that she knows what girls like. Um... I think that the outfit she picks is fine, but I'm concerned. Like, I don't know what time of year this is, but I'm concerned that Chuck will be hot because he's wearing a long sleeved like T-shirt and then a button down over it and then jeans. Like, that's a like for L.A. That's a lot of layers. Yeah. Maybe if it's like November. But yeah, Sarah's wearing a T-shirt. Well, she wears a jacket as well. Yeah. So anyhow, Sarah is talking to Graham on the phone before her date and Graham tells her that he can't help her because his contract for the show hasn't been renewed. (laughs) So when Sarah asks what she should do if Chuck runs, Graham tells her to shoot him. He doesn't care. In this moment, Sarah learns a very important lesson from Graham. Don't give a shit. Sarah says that she will remember (laughs) this and will live her life according to that creed. (laughs) Chuck and Sarah go to a Mexican restaurant and exchange pleasantries about Captain Awesome. Chuck jokes that he thinks that Sarah is keeping a secret, but he can't figure out what it is. They joke about Sarah being a cannibal. That's a real bit. Uh, Not my own. (laughs) They talk about Sarah potentially being someone that eats other human beings. Sarah talks about how she just moved to L.A. from Washington, D.C. because she just got out of a long-term relationship with someone named Bruce. So I'm assuming this means Bruce Springsteen. It would be understandable (laughs) that she would have to flee to the other side of the country if she was the other woman in Bruce Springsteen's life. She couldn't go anywhere near New Jersey. No, not at all. But this would never happen because Bruce Springsteen is the most the most faithful man that I know. <laughs> and I'm not even married uh, you to know? him. Do you know Bruce Springsteen personally? I do. I'm not married to Are him. Are you guided I... by the light? Is that what it's called? Blinded Bl- by the light. I'm Blinded sorry. by the light. Sarah <laughs> asks Chuck about skeletons in his closet and Chuck starts to talk about Jill, but then stops himself. Sarah says that she likes Chuck and they leave the restaurant to go to a second location. Sarah reveals that she doesn't have a favorite band and Chuck pretends to be perturbed by this, but then is actually perturbed by the police convoy that passes by them on the highway below. uh, And that causes him to flash. Chuck shrugs it off and tries to salvage the date. Meanwhile, Casey watches them from a car uh, with another agent. He tells the other agent that he wants Chuck alive, but they can kill the CIA skirt. Chuck and Sarah enter some kind of rock club with a live band playing. And I probably said this before. It's a real band. Did you look? Did you look them up? I did not. They're um they're called Foreign Born and they are a real California band. Foreign Born. I was gonna say they're called Forgotten Horses, which is also a good band name. <laughs> that is, yeah. I'm gonna they're start a band Dangerous called. Women from the Dance Floor. And their opening act, Forgotten Horses. <laughs> yep. Um I probably said this before when we watched this, but this is the coolest place I've ever seen. Yeah, it's very cool. I aspire It's probably a real place. I didn't look that up. I aspire to be cool enough to know about a place like this. To go to a place like this? To to go on a date to a place like this? I know, I just... To go on a date with Yvonne Strahovski to they, a place like this? They really misled me as a 14-year-old watching this. Like, is this what it's like to go on dates? Like, no. No, it's not 14-year-old. It's going to be much lamer. You're going to go to Panera Bread and uh, <laughs> other places that suck. <laughs> so, obviously, I have to work through this. But uh, Chuck and Sarah are sitting, uh, having some drinks, watching the band called Foreign... Born, 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 born. Uh, Sarah sees the NSA agents come in. So Sarah pulls Chuck to the dance floor and she starts grinding up on him while throwing knives at all of the NSA agents. Yeah, she kills them. They're like, there's not this they're episode not, isn't pulling any punches. I don't well, think she, they're okay, dead. They're just she, like injured. Yeah, like seriously injured, though. Like very like she had poison, poison uh, chopsticks in her hair. You think those so. were poison? Well, she dips them in something. Oh, it's amazing all the things you don't catch when you watch these episodes. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, as we established, I've seen this episode like seven times, so Chuck, I know the chopsticks. Chuck doesn't notice all of these NSA agents falling around him, likely because he's too busy concealing a boner. Uh, <laughs> That's probably true. Well, she does like grab his butt. She's like, she's very intense. She's like under his legs. Yeah, that is probably what he's thinking. That- <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, once again, maybe I'm projecting, but who knows? Sarah oh. leads- 
<laughs> so Sarah leads Chuck out of the club in a hurry and demands to drive his car. Chuck pushes back, but Sarah hacks into the nerd mobile somehow and opens the door to, and tells Chuck to get in. Sarah drives in reverse down a busy road while they're chased by Casey and the NSA in a black SUV. It's pretty intense and cool. Like the nerd mobile is going backwards, but they're going forwards and they're like bumper to bumper. Sarah eventually loses them by driving back down a stairwell, uh, which is also really cool. Sarah then tells Chuck that those men in the NSA are after him. And Chuck doesn't understand why, because he's just a nobody. Wah, wah, a big old loser. We kind of have a pause where we think everything is going to be okay, but then Casey T-bones the nerd herd mobile. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, it's crazy that Casey would do all this, but he did. Uh, and then the NSA tries to circle back and run over Sarah, who's out of the car. But then yeah. Sarah uses her knife to um, activate, like... Uh, parking... The emergency blockade. Um, an emergency what blockade. It's called, but it's like the parking, like, the beams. The blockade is a better... I don't know what they're called. You like described the... it really well. Yeah, I had parking yeah. blockers, but that doesn't make any yeah. sense. It's a blockade, so... Yeah. Sarah is saved. Um, it's so cool, too. It's, like, a very, like, action thing, because she's, like right in front of the car and then like the car crashes into the blockade and she's right there and she's like crouched and she's looking away it's very cool it's very like marvel movie it's very close and then sarah decides that the only safe place for them to go is on top of a skyscraper somewhere i don't know like i i vaguely remember us talking about this but she requests an emergency air vac and like uh, from who she's been um like she's not disavowed or anything, but she's like off this mission officially. Uh-huh. So like, who is she asking for for this like evacuation and why? Like, I guess she's nervous that Casey is gonna kill her, mm-hmm. but like he's not gonna kill Chuck. She knows that. She just doesn't want to lose Chuck. I don't know what's going on really with this. So up on the roof, Sarah finally explains that she is a spy. Casey is a spy. Bryce was a spy, and that the email that Chuck received is maybe not all as it seems. Chuck is worried. He's like, should I have looked at all those pictures? What's happening to me? Sarah doesn't take more time to explain. She just says she might have to aim her gun at him and don't freak out, which um, as we know, as I did not know when we began recording the show, but as I do know now, don't freak out. Chuck catchphrase. Casey comes up and Sarah points her gun, not at Casey, but at Chuck. And she tells Casey, if you don't back down, I'm going to shoot Chuck. Chuck promptly begins freaking out. Casey says he's going to shoot them anyway and go get pancakes, which I thought was a good line. He's just, like, very cool, very intense. Chuck runs to the edge of the roof, despite everyone yelling, and then he immediately flashes. He says, they're going to kill him. And everybody's like, who? And he says, Stanfield, the NATO guy. He says, something is wrong with me and I'm remembering things I shouldn't know, which this is when Casey and Sarah begin to understand that in addition to being emailed the intersect, maybe Chuck is the intersect. Casey is a little slow on the uptake and thinks that Chuck must have just been working with Bryce, but Sarah puts everything together and says that all of their secrets are in Chuck's head. They want Chuck to help them protect Stanfield. Chuck says that he can't because he's not really a spy. He suggests that they call Bryce, who is really a spy, and Sarah says Bryce is dead. Chuck is pretty floored by this, but eventually they calm him down enough to bring him to the hotel where General Stanfield is holding his conference. And I started listening to his conference and he's just kind of saying buzzwords like none of them make complete sense. Um, the only thing that I was like a full phrase that I heard was when he said, when I was in Vietnam, that's like the only thing I don't know what happened when he was in Vietnam, but he's just kind of saying like security and nation and things like that. He's obviously a member of the same Toastmasters as Shaw <laughs> when Shaw was delivering his address at the spy convention. Yes, exactly. They get to the hotel and Casey and Sarah try to leave Chuck in the lobby, which is seems like a big difference from when they were begging him to help. I don't know why they want to leave him behind all of a sudden, but oh well. He decides that he's just going to run off anyway and lead them to the bomb, which is a big change for someone who said he wouldn't help them like a couple minutes ago. Now he's very gung-ho on like going into the action and helping him. I don't know. Nobody's really consistent with this, but they do find the bomb. It's a bunch of C4 attached to a laptop on like a serving tray. I don't know what these are really called. Like it's the kind of thing that like there's it's like uh, has a lid that you would pull off. You would you would put like buffet items in it. Mm hmm. Serving tray. You're the one with experience at a country club. What are these called? Yeah, I don't know. I was fired from a country club, so... (laughs) So you didn't know. That's why you were fired. (laughs) Once they realize there's a bomb, people, including General Stanfield, begin evacuating. 
As everyone's panicking, trying to defuse the bomb, Morgan calls Chuck because he's bored, because his computer isn't working. He mentions Demova, and Chuck immediately gets an idea. Also, I want to point out, um, I did not see which action figures they are, but Morgan has, like, two tiny action figures just, like, resting gently on his chest. I thought that was <laughs> a nice character detail. And presumably they're Chuck's, because Morgan says he's in Chuck's room at that moment. Uh-huh. I was concerned. Why did Chuck answer the phone when he's in front of a bomb that's about to go off? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, but um, he needed to to get this idea. I guess so. Chuck says he has an idea on how to defuse the bomb. Casey is dubious and says one of my favorite lines, which is... This is not an Xbox, and you're not an X-Man. Yes, that is the one. Great line. Awesome Chuck line. also has a great line where he grabs the computer... He types Irene Demova's name into what's not Google, but is kind of like Google. He clicks on her website and he says, Mr. Bomb, meet Mr. Internet. And then uh, the the porn virus affects the computer. It kind of like, I don't know, if you get a virus, does your computer begin smoking? Like if it's a really bad virus, does it just like catch on fire? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. You said that you'd open your laptop earlier in this episode. So you said I destroy my laptop. So I'll try that one, too. And let you know. (laughs) Yeah, you should. If you're going to physically destroy your laptop anyways, you should download a virus to it before and see what happens and then destroy it. Yeah. So Chuck successfully defuses the bomb via his computer know-how. Outside, Casey and Sarah are arguing about what exactly to do with Chuck now that he has the government secrets inside his head. Sarah is a little bit more sympathetic about Chuck, his life, his family, and how he will feel about being trapped in a government bunker. Casey, on the other hand, says that they should just try it and find out because they have to keep him safe and keep him contained. Either way, both of them think that they're going to have to take him. Chuck overhears this and comes out and reasons that they have to listen to him and let them let him do what he wants because they need him. Um, So he gets to call the shots and he says he just wants to go home. Instead of going home, though, he goes to sit on the beach. In the show, it's Malibu, but in real life, he's sitting on a beach in San Pedro. Um, He's he's sitting there. He's thinking. And Sarah walks up right at dawn. He asks how long she's been there. And she and she says she's been there watching all night. He points out that he won't be able to run, and she says, not from us. She asks that he talk to her, and he questions why Bryce chose him, and he asks what happens now. Sarah says, for now, he's just going to go back to his life, and they're going to protect him, and he shouldn't tell his family anything. Chuck goes back to his apartment, where Morgan and Ellie were waiting up all night for him. Morgan is a little bit excited, thinking that Chuck spent the night with Sarah. Ellie is a little bit more worried, because she knows her brother. But they share a group hug with Awesome. And Chuck reflects on everything that has changed. I do want to point out, um, I think this apartment set is different. Did you think it's different? Because yeah. it has higher ceilings. Yeah, I think it's like slightly the, different, yeah. The decorations are the same. I know that they, I'm pretty sure they actually filmed at this like famous apartment complex. I kind of remember talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later it becomes a set. So that makes sense. But the higher ceilings really threw me off. Yeah, it was a little bit, it looked like the entryway was a little bit different because they, yeah. they uh, eventually have like an open kind of concept yeah. thing, but there was mm-hmm. a, it was a little bit more partitioned this time. Yeah. So there's kind of an intercut uh, flashback to the beach cut with Chuck's like current life. So we see Sarah ask Chuck to trust him. And then we cut to her in her hotel slash apartment where she's looking at her phone, scrolling through an album on her phone called Cabo 2005. And she's looking at like very candid pictures of Bryce and then one of her and Bryce. So we know that they were a couple. Surprise, surprise. We cut to Chuck applying with a handwritten application. Like, I I mean, I know that handwritten applications are a thing, but he's applying for the assistant manager job. And it just looks like like I've done that before, like writing out a whole like job application by hand. He has like. It's not a lot of space. He's got this little cramped handwriting. I just really felt for him in that moment. Not in the moment where he downloaded government secrets to his head, just when he had to handwrite an application. To handwrite an application for a job that's an internal hire. So he's just going to give it to his boss anyways, whose boss is not going to actually read it. He's just going to be like, yeah, "Yeah, Chuck wants a job. Harry Tang and Chuck have a moment because they're both applying. Morgan plays some kind of like Western type soundtrack as Harry Tang slaps his shoulder into Chuck in a very threatening way. We meet Big Mike briefly for a moment. He says, didn't think you'd apply. Now go train the new guy. Chuck heads out onto the Bymore floor and sees that Casey and Sarah are both present. Casey is wearing a Bymore shirt because he's this new guy that Chuck is supposed to train. 
Sarah is there wearing a dress. She's not actually going to work at the Bymore, but she is pretending to be a shopper. Chuck flashes on Sarah's ring and sees spy images of her killing a bunch of men while she's wearing this ring. And this is an, um, something that we point out later. If you're going to be a spy, don't have rings, don't have distinguishing <laughs> features, don't have tattoos. You just shouldn't do it because Chuck might be able to flash on them. Chuck tells himself, don't freak out. And then the episode ends. It's Chuck versus the intersect right there. That's, uh, Chuck versus the intersect or just the truck pilot. You can call him either one and people will know what you're talking about. That's right. And if they don't tell him that you said that Aaron and Chris said it's OK and then they'll be like, <laughs> OK, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, maybe you watched that 13 years ago. Maybe you watched that uh, sooner than today? that. Today? Today? Who knows? Because today is the truck anniversary. Yes, that's that's how it goes. That's the uh, how Chuck started. It's how everything began. So crazy. It's basically the Bible of Chuck. But not really, because there's things that happen chronologically before this that we don't see until later on. And there's stuff that happens afterwards. That is, after all, how time works. There's things in front of it and after it. That's uh, true. While I'm explaining things, allow me to explain Chuck, Mary Kill, which is this part of the show that we take one part of the episode that we'd like to marry. And one part of this episode that we would like to kill. Aaron, what would you like to marry? What I have written down here is um, Sarah's smile with a little smiley face. Okay. Um, I do think that Sarah is very cute in this episode. I like her pickup lines with Chuck at the Buy More. I like her moments in the date. I think she's very cute. And I think she's obviously a beautiful woman, but she plays it very well as being like approachable with it. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and also like a little bit scary, a little bit intense. I think she does a great job in this. I think maybe she she and Adam Baldwin I would probably be like my standouts, even though like Zachary Levi is obviously like doing a lot of the heavy lifting with being the main character of the show. I think um, Yvonne and Adam are doing a really good job. Um, we'll talk more about this when we get into the scooter scale, but I also just think this episode like pilots are very hard and are notorious for being like maybe not as good as the first season or the even the subsequent episodes. Um, and it's very hard to establish the tone of a show and also like make a cohesive story that also sets up the rest of a season or mm -hmm. the rest of a series. And I think um, this does a great job of like introducing everything. Like they even got Big Mike in there by the end. And I thought that that was great. I was really impressed with it. What about you? Uh, I, I, too, would like to marry Yvonne's performance because I was thinking of it from the angle of like before, if you're watching this for the first time, you don't really know that Sarah's kind of got this this backstory going on with her. Yeah. But from the beginning, we know. And I just thought it was kind of interesting that like even from the very first episode that Yvonne was able to um, kind of reach this duplicity in her performance where she's able to not only act as Sarah, like putting on airs to allure mm -hmm. Chuck and, mm -hmm. um, but also like the real kind of more raw, honest Sarah also that appears yeah. later in the episode. I was like, mm -hmm. damn, she like already had all this stuff figured out yeah. in her first she's a great episode. Actress. Yeah. And then like, she obviously does this kind of similar thing, like seducing guys and leading them on yeah. throughout the rest of the show. So I was just mm -hmm. like, it's crazy that it's basically pretty consistent throughout yeah that's very impressive yeah i would say for my kill um this is just a very small like choreography thing but in the scene where chuck and morgan are attacked in their apartment or in chuck's apartment by the ninja um the ninja knocks chuck down and then knocks morgan down in a way where they fall and kind of like like i, I don't know a, a more delicate way to put this like they are like they are 69ing each other <laughs> and i think that is um the joke but I don't think, like, I think it's a kind of cheap joke, and I don't think it really fits with the tone. Like, it's just kind of this, like, weird, like, oh, look at these men in each other's crotches. Isn't that weird? Like, I know there's kind of, like, it kind of plays into, like, the Chuck and Morgan codependency thing, but I don't think they need to make it, like, a sexual, like, kind of, like, gay panic joke. I just felt kind of weird about it, and I didn't think it was needed. I think it was just as funny if they just both fall down. Mm -hmm. So I would kill that. Well, I really didn't care for all the the close-ups that they used in the episode, like really tight mm -hmm. close-ups on people's yes. faces. And I thought that was kind of like in the party scene, it kind of makes sense in the opening because he's yes. like all these, because it's kind of like awkward and intense. And Yeah, it's showing his anxiety. Yeah, but I don't know, as a viewer this time, it just kind of like, 
I didn't really care for it because they do mm-hmm. that in the party scene and then they also do it like in the end with Harry Tang when he's handing in the application and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I just, I didn't care for that cinematography and I was glad that they stopped doing that. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was kind of jarring. I think that's totally fair. Thank you. So now what? We're going to do the scooter scale as we as we typically do? Yes. At uh, at this point in the show, we have not met Scooter, but it's he a shame. does come yeah. later in season one. Soon. He does come gloriously. Very soon. Yes. Uh, so how many corn dogs? Well, if you're listening for the first time, this is the Scooter scale where we give an episode a uh, zero to five corn dogs based on how much we liked the episode, zero being low, five being high. Erin, how many corn dogs would you like to give this rewatch of this particular pilot? I'm going to give this episode, the, I'm going to give this particular episode rewatch of the pilot, whatever combination of words you just said, I'm going to give it four corn dogs. I think that um, it is very solid. As I said, as a pilot, I love how it manages to introduce, I, it doesn't introduce Beckman because maybe they hadn't cast Bonita yet, but it's does a very good job of establishing the tone, of establishing all the characters. It does um, pretty easily lead into what I know is coming in season one and what is coming in future seasons. I think it does a really good job of setting up the stakes and making things interesting. And I do think um, I would continue watching if if I was not where I am now. I did not know what was coming. I think I would continue watching this um, and see what is going to happen in the next week. So I think it is a success as a pilot. I think that it is not as good as some of the later episodes, specifically in season three, the season of Aaron. There were a lot of episodes that I gave five corn dogs because I really enjoyed. I would not say that this is by any means the best episode of Chuck, but I do think it is representative. Like if you wanted to invite a friend or loved one into the Chuck fandom, it wouldn't really be a situation where you would say like, okay, the pilot sucks, but it gets really good in season two or like something like that. I think you could say, like, watch the pilot. It's pretty representative of what the show's going to be. It's pretty good, pretty fun. And then, uh, so, I think it's um, better than average, not perfect, but I think it is a very solid episode of Chuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of, um, like you said, like, they with any kind of pilot of a TV show, you have to do a lot of things for it to be effective. You have to introduce things. You have to communicate a backstory you have to communicate the the stakes and um all of this is a lot to do in 40 minutes so i think they do a really good job of it and yeah i mean it's hard not because you don't really have the emotional connection with the characters yet like you do in later episodes yeah so you can't really have that appeal to it but um i do think it is like a really well-structured pilot and they do a good job of sometimes like when i was watching it um i was like yeah man there's a lot of exposition in this episode when they're explaining like chuck stanford experience and Mm -hmm. the intersect and Mm -hmm. um but overall like it's not i don't think it's a ridiculous amount for a pilot and i think it's pretty reasonable so i think like the special effects are really cool and yeah the action sequences are great um so yeah i I would give it a four as well out of five corn dogs great yes um but i guess in reality we'd probably both be giving this 13 corn dogs maybe those (laughs) 13 corn dogs are arranged like a birthday cake or anniversary cake is it really like the birthday of chuck or the anniversary of chuck what's the difference you know yeah with a show it's it's hard to say i mean aren't anniversaries just anniversaries of all of our births yeah right exactly and isn't an anniversary just the birthday of something that wasn't born think about it so whatever uh whatever you're celebrating whether it be birthday or anniversary happy chuckiversary to you thank you for spending it with us we really enjoyed watching this episode we're really enjoying watching chuck and it's always fun to revisit things it's always fun to be part of the chuck community i know how big a deal the chuckiversary is and we've enjoyed being part of it we've enjoyed live tweeting it i'm gonna blow your mind one more time because isn't it chuck's 27th birthday That's yeah, the yeah, party. yeah so 13 mm-hmm. years after 27 chuck would be 40 today let that sink in so we're, so we're, Levi is 40. That makes sense. We're currently 27. So let it sink in that in 13 years, you and I will both be 40. If I make it that far. <laughs> Ayo. This is going to be really sad if I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll play this in your in memoriam segment. Yeah, great. Um, so, yes, thank you for listening. I hope that you had a wonderful Chuckiversary. 
Um, we will be starting our regular season four very soon. Um, so please subscribe and like go check yourself on your preferred podcast. Yeah, we platform will be for that. Um, our episode will come out on Monday the twenty eighth. Yes. So and make sure you follow us on Twitter at Go Chuck Podcast and um, you can email us at Go Chuck Yourself Podcast at gmail Yes, you can. And uh, we very much hope to see you for season four. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Woo! All right. Have a have a lovely day. All right. Take care. My name. Say your catchphrase. God damn it. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. I almost forgot the Irene Demova catchphrase in the yeah. Irene Demova episode. I, to be honest with you, Aaron, I did not hear her say either of our catchphrases. I, oh, I heard both of. Well, she doesn't say anything is possible. That's just the tagline of her um, website. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So uh, allegedly, I'm quoting Irene Demova here, even though I did not hear it. I was looking for it. I didn't hear it. Uh, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy. Food is sexy? Am I sexy? Sexy, sexy. That's what she says. Um, I'm Aaron Arata, letting you know that anything is possible. Okay. We'll see you next Happy time. Happy Thanks for listening. Happy Chuckiversary. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.